Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. For 12 years, I've been a professional intuitive and personal development blogger. I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Sunday, October 7th, 2018, as I record this introduction. This week, I have an interview with Janelle Hardy about creativity, the body, writing memoir, and personal myth-making, how you can let your body lead you to your stories. And one thing that makes this episode unique among all Shift Your Spirits episodes, Janelle leads us through a guided meditation to release creative blocks in the middle of the interview. That part is about seven minutes out of an hour-long show. So if it were me, I'd go ahead and listen to the show as you normally do. But just know, if you're driving in particular or somewhere you can't focus or have the kind of quiet and privacy you may need for something like a meditation, you can always come back at a later time and listen to the guided meditation portion again on its own. As always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show, so be thinking about a question or concern you have, hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra channeled message. In personal news, I'm not going to do any more personal news at this moment because I just recorded the introduction to the last episode yesterday, and not much has happened in 24 hours not worth reporting to you. I am preparing to go to New Orleans, so I'm recording this in advance. Before I forget, I do want to say a quick thank you to my newest supporter on Patreon, Lisa Marshall. Thanks, Lisa. I'm on vacation this week, so if you became a Patreon supporter in the past week or so, I have not forgotten you. I will be thanking you on an upcoming episode. I also want to say thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support on Patreon. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. It's very encouraging to me, so thank you. Listeners who support the show on Patreon can access a guided meditation called Messages from Your Spirit Guides, exclusive bonus episodes, and there's also a mastery level of support where you can download one of my courses for free each month. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show and access all the extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shift your spirits. So this is a really interesting roundabout sort of story um, because I didn't really know when I started teaching the work that I do that it actually was about memoir writing. Um. So I'll leave you with that statement and circle back to the beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm from the far north of Canada, the far northwest, which is the Yukon Territory. Um, and for context for people that aren't Canadians, and even some Canadians don't know where I li- am from, it's beside Alaska and above British Columbia. And it's... Um, beautiful it's so wild and I'm not living there now but I talk about it because I feel so connected to that place and um, I'm also from a family I think I have a common experience to a lot of people in North America and in colonized countries where my ancestry uh, you know I'd be considered white but my ancestry is varied and mostly unknown and 
and there were some family secrets that were whispered as I was growing up. And so that experience of growing up really attached to a landscape um, and then learning that my roots in that landscape uh, are only as deep as my grandparents having moved up there and met each other and settled down there and wondering who am I and where did I come from and um, and then struggling with some health challenges that didn't feel like they belonged to me really kind of pitched me onto this path of curiosity and inquiry and um, kind of roaming all over the place in terms of what I studied and where I lived. So, hmm, see, this is the trouble with collecting my thoughts around all of my offshoots of interest, <laughs> which for a long time, it really mystifi mystified me. I, I was uh, really into painting. I was also really into writing. I was also really into dance. I wanted to be a dancer. I also wanted to live in other cultures. And so I was an exchange student to Japan and to Russia and to uh, another part of Canada, Ontario, which doesn't really sound like being an exchange student, but the Yukon is a is really different than southern Canada in terms of lifestyle and how people think about themselves and um, their relation to the country that they're in. Um, for example, in the Yukon, we refer to going outside as leaving the Yukon to the rest of Canada or um, outsiders coming to the Yukon, right? So there's a real um, strong identity wrapped up in being a Yukoner. And then the other part of my um, realization was I feel this intense claim to being a Yukoner, to being from this part of the world, and it actually doesn't belong to me. You know, there's a history of First Nations people there that is thousands of years old and is being erased and denied. So how can I reconcile my love and longing for this place with the the understanding that my roots don't originate there and I I don't get to claim it as only my own you know so so all of these curiosities and wonderings um, pushed me out to to study and travel and do all sorts of things including becoming a single mother at 23 um, and having chronic fatigue and um, and throughout all that time, the, the one thing that kept me steady was a creative practice. And it didn't matter what the creative practice was. So I'm, I'm a really big believer in creative energy and this life force, this kind of erotic creative life force that's in all of us. And when it's in flow, we get to choose the medium that suits what we're trying to express best. And for some people, they just latch onto the one medium and they're a writer and that's all they are mm -hmm. entirely. Mm -hmm. um, for other people, it's kind of peripatetic and, and um, you know, maybe, maybe a bit dilettantish. Sometimes I've labeled myself as not being able to commit to something, but I've let go of that label and... Um, realized that <clears throat> I have the ability and desire to use different mediums to explore different facets of my creative energy depending on what it is that's wanting to come through. So I might go through a phase of um, dance and choreography, which happened a lot in my mid-20s. 
Um, and, th and that's the time when I earned a master's degree in dance. And, uh, and then I really got into painting. And then I got a horrible creative block for years um, where I, I had all the ideas and I actually couldn't write. I couldn't paint. I couldn't. Um, it was just so painful. It was so painful, this state. But it also taught me a lot. So I, I felt the bubbling force of my creative desire and creative energy. And I had all the ideas. And, and I encountered my own resistance and procrastination no matter where I went. Um, and during that time, some of the jobs I was doing involved writing um, for a local coming events magazine and uh, a couple national magazines. <clears throat> so what I, what I noticed was, oh, I really enjoyed it. And I, for some reason, was able to write about things when I was being paid, although the pay was terrible. But I was able to do the task when um, I set the intention outside of myself. And then I also became really angry that I couldn't prioritize my own desire for creative expression enough that I could work on my own projects during that time. Um, I was only able to do it if it had a, a functional function in society, you know, which was making some money and um, being of mm -hmm. service to an employer. So all of that to say, most of my writing has always been creative nonfiction. It's almost never fiction or fantasy or imagined stories in that way. It's always been about finding a way to share an experience I've had in the world, either my own personal experience in order to understand myself or um, in the case of when I was writing these uh, profiles on artists that were coming to perform in the Yukon, interviewing them and being able to describe their personality, physicality, uh, art, and the venue in a way that would invite people in. It's kind of freaking me out how much um, you're really speaking to me in this moment. Um, I've been working a lot with issues around um, the struggle that I have writing fiction versus all of the prolific amount of stuff that I put out into the world around my paranormal memoirs and shift your spirits and these interviews and I can write articles, I can write blog posts, I can write for this audience because like you said, it's sort of my job and it is, there's something very liberating weirdly about it's an official thing and I have to do it every week. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't really even think of it in terms of the blocks that I have around my novels as being particularly about something attached to, oh, it's just this thing that I'm making for myself that doesn't have this official sanctioned um, place to be in the world. It's not being asked for by other people. It's something mm -hmm. that I'm bringing mm -hmm. through for myself. And it was really interesting. I don't remember the exact words of how you said that, but I thought, oh, 
Oh, I get that. I understand that. That's a piece of the puzzle for me. So the wild synchronicity is that you and I are here speaking for the very first time ever. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we're having this conversation. And I um, had just told you before we started recording that I have had an energy healing session, a clearing around creative blocks. And I've also been to a chiropractor and a massage therapist yesterday because there's a physical manifestation in my neck and you know like nerve impingement and you know my spine and neck and um you um something that I want to say really quick and then I want to bring you back to this idea of blocks and how they're related to the body but I wanted to say when you were talking about your journey and how hard it was for you to sort of justify the idea of committing to one form of creative expression um, one of the things that was a real turning point for me in my life was when I accepted the fact that I couldn't choose and I didn't have to and that Mm. I would I would be (laughs) all of those things together and that that's just what my path was um that you know I am an intuitive and a novelist and a interviewer voice talent you know whatever you know like I I am all of those things and I think most creative people are really Mm -hmm. eclectic and sometimes Um, the things that, uh, and this is something I've been talking about a lot with clearing uh, creative blocks, there is a purpose that you choose for yourself. And then there's sometimes a purpose that's chosen for you by the world. And I feel like as creative people, sometimes it's that hit song. It's that one performance that you did it's that one job that you landed that just was the right place at the right time and maybe you become known for that one thing and people ask that and expect that of you and so it it becomes Mm -hmm. this identifying thing that you didn't necessarily choose as much as it chose you but um so it makes perfect sense to me why um all those you're all those things and knowing that you work um, with creativity and writing and myth-making and that you um, talk to me about how you work through creative blocks through the body um, Mm -hmm. makes complete sense to me that you're a dancer. And, you know, it's like you're – it it really is the intersection of all those things, right? Like um, it's you being a little bit of everything that you are. Um, it, uh, it, at least to me in this moment, that's what you represent. So um, to get back to the idea of this creative block and how it's connected to the body, talk to me about, first of all, when you were really blocked, what you discovered set you free, um, and then you know how you've learned to guide other people through that. Okay, that's a really good question. And my answer won't, you know, apply to everyone, but I think there's a lot of useful uh, tools people listening can get out of my (laughs) misery. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So being creatively blocked as a creative person, number one, I think it actually makes us sick Mm. um, because it takes a lot of effort to shut the flow down. Being in the flow and having um, energetic as well as physical movement as a constant experience is actually our natural state. 
But we live in cultures, um, and, and by saying we, I'm kind of speaking to uh, <clears throat> the experience I grew up in of being in North America in uh, an English-speaking culture colonized originally by England, in Canada still being governed by England um, tenuously. Uh, and so we have a cultural inheritance that is really damaging. And the cultural inheritance is <clears throat> the idea of um, productivity being important in service of capitalism, of making money, of being uh, uh, an employee to someone else, being of uh, <clears throat> having skills that someone else wants to pay to make money off of you for. Um, we also have an inheritance of domination and um, we, we carry with us. And so this is most intensely felt for people of European white ancestry, but any, anyone of color growing up in a culture like this also um, receives these unspoken rules and values as well. Um, we grow up learning that self-control involves contraction, tightening, and dominating <clears throat> ownership of our body and our emotions and our inner state. We grow up uh, understanding that what is considered attractive and valuable and wonderful in our culture is really limited. And if we don't fit, we need to feel shame and try to improve ourselves. Um, so can you kind of like get a sense that all of these um, nonverbal values that we grow up with involve tightening and mm. shrinking and contracting and shutting down <clears throat> in order to be okay or be acceptable? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> with this kind of cultural inheritance, as well as a deep um, lack of grounding and roots, most, most of the cultures living in the Americas um, of all backgrounds, no longer speak their indigenous languages. You know, like my my ancestry is not English. It's uh, uh, quite a mix, but Scottish people never spoke English. Welsh people never spoke English. Orcadians never spoke English. There's a small bit of First Nations in my ancestry from, uh, I believe, from Quebec in Canada. That was certainly, they were not English-speaking cultures. So when language is lost, we also lose uh, a great deal. We lose music, we lose language, we lose um, a connection to our roots. And then all we have to grasp onto, and we lose our stories, so all we have to grasp onto is this um, very one-dimensional colonizer culture that really profits a lot off of teaching shame and shrinking us. So <clears throat> the way that that relates to creative block, I think, is that it's really hard to um, be in flow if you feel like you're not good enough in any way. Mm -hmm. It's really, or um, what some people do is they figure out compensations around the tightening and contracting and shrinking. But then what happens is the creative um, flow comes and goes in, I'm saying quotation marks here, bursts of inspiration and flashes of insight and, and uh, really intense, forceful, rush of creativity that people get afraid of um, not jumping in and staying up all night um, buzzing away with it because if it goes away when will it come back it might be three more years right so we have all these um, ideas about our inherent creative flow that are warped by by um, 
a constant experience of uh, being taught to shut down and and contract and um, deny that flow. And in our bodies, we really feel it through tightening, um, through physical tension, even though most people in North America live very sedentary lives. There's actually no reason if someone is doing a lot of sitting or desk work to, to feel as tense as they do. But um, as a body worker, I've spent 12 years working on people's bodies hands-on. It's astonishing how much tension there is in people that actually don't use their bodies. And part of it is related to this idea that um, we need to make an effort. We have to be appearing to be working hard. <laughs> we have to be tightening up. Um, just in case, you know, and it becomes internalized, but like, if anyone looks at me, I, I'm clearly a hard worker <laughs> because I appear that way because my brows are furrowed while I tense my shoulders and type <laughs> or whatever it is. Right. It's so Look busy, when, look busy. Yeah, the busy, <laughs> looking busy, busy making. Um, uh, and then that's a whole other tangent of like, uh, how much energy gets devoted to making ourselves appear to be busy rather than just using our precious energy to create and do the work with ease, right? So back to getting creatively blocked. These are all things I've figured out as I've done a lot of healing work, offered it as well as received it, and um, had the excruciating experience of feeling blocked. So being blocked, the, the flow is locked up, but it's like it's boiling away inside. The other things that really stopped me from just creating uh, were um, perfectionism, mm. this idea that it has to be brilliant and wonderful or it's shameful, which mm. again goes back to these cultural ideas of, you know, it's not okay to just play. <laughs> it's not okay to experiment. We have to have a have an idea and execute it um, as if it's the greatest thing ever, when how is that even possible when we're stumbling along learning a process, right? Mm. But I got trapped in perfectionism for quite a while. Um, I also got trapped in being too serious. So being serious, and, and I'm, a, I'm an empath and a highly sensitive person and an introvert, so seriousness comes quite easily to me. And um, actually, one of the best antidotes came from a mutual friend, Anna Holden, who said... Uh, cultivate a sense of amusement you know like being serious is not is not a good thing when you already tend to be on that side but but that there I was stuck well before I met Anna um being too serious so I would have these light-hearted happy ideas and then I'd crush them <laughs> because <laughs> they weren't serious enough they weren't like it's not really art if it's not serious you know and so I crush those impulses and um and i just got caught in the spinning circle of uh contraction and perfectionism and and seriousness and the thing that really helped um well receiving body work really helps loosening up the physical restrictions helps with the energetic flow as well but um there i can't remember how many years ago there i had a summer up in the Yukon. I was still living up there. It's so beautiful up there. It never gets dark. It's just incredible. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a lot of work going on. Um, and I was also you know, always uh, solo mothering my daughter. But I had time and I had um, art supplies. 
I didn't have money for extra art supplies, but I had these watercolors. I had a whole bunch of watercolor paper because my other problem was I would collect things for the ideas. So I was always collecting stuff to collage with, but then not collaging. I was always buying bits and pieces of art supplies, but never allowing myself to have the mm. pleasure of, of making art. And um, <clears throat> I hit this point of just deep frustration and fury and irritation with myself and I was like oh <laughs> I'm just gonna sit outside in the sun this afternoon with my paper and my pens and my paintbrushes and my watercolors and a jar of water and I don't fucking care what comes out I'm just gonna sit out there with this stuff and see and th and then this was the liberating experience was I started drawing feathers and like colorful circles and balls and and I just I just let it flow and I was you know the nasty critical perfectionist mind of course was still hanging out in there so, so that little eyeball is watching what I'm creating and it's saying things like what the hell Janelle feathers circles happy colors this isn't you this is so fluffy this is stupid this is stop it right now and the part of me that was so tired of that mean, vicious voice shutting me down. It's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just letting things come out. And I'm as surprised as you are that I'm drawing pretty colorful feathers. But I don't care. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> and so, you know, I had, to all, I had to let go of my egotistical ideas about my fancy, um, serious artist creative projects that we're going to wow everyone and just be okay with making pretty pictures for a while you know mm -hmm. I can so relate I mean I've had a lot of conversations uh this week with me as the patient you know um me as the client talking about um you know this uh issue with perfectionism and the paralysis that comes along with mm -hmm. that and the um the the desperate you know need that you it's not that you're not aware that you're doing that to yourself you you know that you are and that's what's mm -hmm. so frustrating is that you know it's like oh how to make this shut up and you know I, I think it's interesting that you s said really early on in our conversation we literally make ourselves sick because mm -hmm. you know when I was at the chiropractor yesterday with my neck locked up, which it's still, you know, it's it's still um, sore to turn my head and, and all that. And that's a common thing that happens to me. You know, it's like that's a place in my body where um, anxiety tends to go. Some people have stomach stuff. Some people are like neck and shoulders people or back or head. You know, there's different places in the body that it tends to manifest. But mine is always that spot. And my first instinct like to explain what had happened was to be like oh well i hurt myself working out because i do work out a lot and i um can overdo it or you know do something with bad form and you know get a little bit of an issue or something and that was the first place that i wanted to blame it and it wasn't until i talked to you know the energy worker and then again when i was talking to the body worker last night who was adjusting me you know, they were both challenging me that the locks contracted muscle, you know, the issue was that, like you said, everything was clenched, you mm -hmm. know, and um, that, you know, I was being challenged to 
except the fact that this may not be a sports repetitive motion injury at all. This is like stress induced. This is psychic, you know. Um, And when I say psychic, I mean that in a big term. I mean that in the fact that we can tie ourselves up in knots, whether you believe in psychic abilities or at all. You you're still capable of mentally, like you said, shrinking yourself. Um, the issue of um, making yourself small so that you are more acceptable in some mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's like all those themes are kind of playing out for me. So I'm sitting here listening to you talk about that, and 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 I'm thinking. What a beautiful synchronicity for me to be having this conversation <laughs> with you right now. So I'm really curious. You talked to me about a kind of guided visualization that you do um, when you first start working with a group of people or, you know, some, some clients before doing a workshop or something like that. Is that something that you'd be interested in, in kind of walking us through right now? Yeah, Let's yeah, do it. I love doing this. So, but, but I'll give just a little bit of context first over okay. why I think it's so important to, to include the body in everything. Yes. Um, number one is our bodies are our only home in this world. And we seem to forget that a lot. Um, and number two, back to kind of the cultural stew that we're growing up in, we've also inherited these ideas that um, rational intellectualizing and the thinking functions of ourselves is more important and more valuable than the um, body-based knowledge and experiences that mm. we also have. So I feel like um, bringing the body in is simply uh, well, reminding people that I work with and myself, because I can fall off of remembering this easily as well, that the body is just as important. And if we include our body as a, like the body psyche, you know, rather than being floating heads and thinking brains, forgetting mm. about the body, we, we just feel so much better. And also intuitively gut feelings wise, um, what is it? Clairsentience. These are ways of knowing that come through the body first. And if we don't learn how to tune into the body, um, we miss out, right? So for this um, visualization, first off, are you sitting? I am. Okay, so we'll do it from a seated position because I'm sitting as well. And you mentioned that your neck and your upper back, is it, often Mm -hmm. gets uncomfortable. Can you describe just a little more about what's going on? So there's a tension um, between the shoulder blades and up into the neck. Um, You probably have experienced where you wake up one morning and you can't turn your head all the way to Mm -hmm. one side or the other, you know, without uh, experiencing like it it being locked, you know, Um, having a crick in your neck is how we say it around here. Um, Yeah, here too. Yeah, the, um, the, I asked the body worker last night, I said, what's the technical term for that? She said, I think it's nerve impingement. (laughs) But um, yeah, does that help? Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay. So so one of the um, premises of the kind of body work that I'm trained in, which is um, Hellerwerk Structural Integration, also known as Rolfing, uh, is that everything is connected to everything else. And so it's never just where the issue is that needs attention. 
So I'm, you know, this may or may not help with the crick in your neck, but mm-hmm. I know it'll help loosen things up. And for everyone that's listening, uh, if you're seated, that's the place to be for playing along with us because I'm going to describe the this visualization from a seated position. So Slade, I'll get you to just notice where um, your sit bones are in relation to the chair. Uh, it it's easier to tune in if you're sitting on a hard chair, but it's okay if your chair is soft. What you want to do is really have your whole body stacked over your sit bones so that you're at the highest point. And if you're not sure where that is, all you do is let yourself roll back on your pelvis so that you're sinking onto the fleshy part of your bum. And you'll notice that your whole body starts to sink and your back rounds forward as you do that. So just taking a nice breath and noticing, you actually, if you let your head hang forward, you get to experience a lovely little stretch down your neck and all the way down your spine and through your shoulders. So it's kind of a luscious thing to do. What we're doing is a pelvic rock. And then you're going to start rolling forward, tipping your belly forward, and you'll notice slowly is better. You'll notice as you roll forward, you start to get taller. So this is how you know where your sit bones are and whether you're on top of them or not because when you're on top of them you're at your high point the tallest point and if you just for contrast you keep rolling your pelvis forward you're kind of tightening your lower back and pressing your belly towards your thighs you'll notice you start to sink a little and your belly feels like it's spilling out onto your thighs so I'll get you to just tilt that pelvis back until you reach that high point again and then you're just gonna do another Uh, pelvic tilt rolling back this time keeping your attention really in your spine so noticing all the incredible possibilities for movement often our spine gets viewed as a one unit rigid sort of thing but the reason we have so many vertebrae is because we want to have so many options for movement so many joints to be able to um turn and twist and arch and contract so just notice the incredible ability for your spine to move and also what is really useful is noticing those frozen stuck spots too and then bringing yourself back on top of your sit bones again i'll get you to draw your attention down into the soles of your feet and you're just going to press one foot into the ground let it go press the other foot into the ground and what i want you to notice is how pushing into your foot starts to move your pelvis which starts to move your spine if you let it right so remember this a lot of um, embodiment work and connecting to the body is learning how to let go of all of the layers of tightening and contraction so it's never actually about adding more effort it's always about noticing sensation and movement and where you can let go of armoring and tightening and efforting to hold yourself together (laughs) get yourself together that's a really common thing people say right and that involves a lot of tightness in the body so as you're just pulsing from foot to foot and noticing the very subtle ways in which your spine is moved by what you're doing in your feet what i'll get you to do now is just bring your inner eye right into your tailbone and you're gonna notice the tailbone hovering Mm -hmm. under your sacrum as the bottom of your spine and then draw that inner eye up into the sacrum which is part of your spine that is fused to your pelvis right so this is why when you're rocking your pelvis back and forth your spine goes along with it because it has no choice (laughs) 
So if we don't have movement in our spine, in, in our pelvis, we don't have a lot of movement in our spine. So hips that are a little more wiggly than <clears throat> our current culture finds acceptable is actually ideal. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so drawing your attention from your sacrum up through your lumbar vertebrae, which is your lower back. These are big, bulky ones. Just in your mind's eye, picture it. Even if you don't really know what they look like, just picture these great big bones with these amazing cushions <clears throat> in between them. The joints have a sponge that is designed so that it absorbs pressure and a downward movement, compression, and then it has the ability and needs the release of an upward lift. So just you can move your back as well as you're doing this, pressing down and picturing every single little um, disc between your vertebrae all the way up your spine, squishing down and then whew, lift and upward movement and so much spaciousness, right? So now I'll get you to bring your attention up your spine to where your ribs join your spine. So the really beautiful thing to imagine is that your rib cage is not a big block. It's more like a bellows, an accordion. <clears throat> and if you slowly twist from side to side through your shoulders, what you'll notice is your rib cage basically goes along for the ride. And, and as you're twisting, allow your head to keep reaching back and you get a bit of a stretch. You might also notice where you're limited in motion. And as you're just doing a gentle rotation, a twist from side to side through your rib cage, keep your attention in your spine. Imagine that the twist is only happening from your spine and then the ribs, as they're attaching to your spine, they kind of fan out. They have an, a capacity for way more movement than we allow. They fan out as you twist away to the side and then they come back in. There's also muscles between every rib that has the capacity to expand and contract. So if you take a really big breath in and really breathe and notice what's happening in your ribs, but also send that breath into your spine where your ribs attach and just notice, right? This is all about noticing and then exhaling and just, you just do your breathing at your own pace. And then just doing a little rotation in your spine and between your ribs, noticing the movement in your ribs from your spine, drawing your attention up to your neck and to your head floating on top of your neck. And we often um, separate the neck from the rest of the spine by naming it the neck and, and having an idea of a, a stopping point at the top of the shoulders and a stopping point at the base of the skull. So for this exercise, I'll just get you to imagine there are no stopping points so that when the neck is moving, it is in response to the movement in your mid-back and your mid-spine. And just see if you can draw in this elegant idea of capacity for movement as well as compression and release in the um, cushions between the vertebrae and invite a little more freedom in. So most of this is slow, steady, and gentle. And it's all about bringing your attention inside your body. So doing one last little scan of your spine, just noticing, and then opening your eyes if they're closed. If they're open, just kind of sharpening the focus. 
letting your eyes land on some sort of tangible object in the room and just noticing three details about it. <clears throat> and then letting your eyes land somewhere else, noticing another three details, specific details. And then bringing that attention that you're sending out through your eyes back to your ears into this conversation and the more mundane, regular world way of connecting. Lovely. That was wonderful. Thank you. Oh, now I have to like <laughs> remember that I'm in the middle of an interview, right? <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I, too bad it's not on video. It would be quite an interesting thing for people to uh, yeah. have witnessed. Um, but that that is very cool. I'll put something in the introduction to prompt people who might be driving that that's coming up and, and oh, that yeah, way if yeah. they want to wait and and do it or if you're driving and you just listen to that and you're like oh that was really cool go back later when you're at home and do it as a guided visualization there is a guided yeah. visualization in the middle of this episode <laughs> um that's so cool so how does that help with the creativity mm, it just does yeah, that's my fastest answer. And then more specifically, if you think of creative creativity as being a state of flow, mm. unblocking flow in the body unblocks flow creatively. And the other really cool thing is that, especially if your um, creative energy and output has, has been generated more through thinking and through head-based processes, mm -hmm. uh, it's like we've just opened a few doors and windows to give you a better view, give you better access to, to your creative energy. So you're getting more of it, right? Oh, I just saw this cool image in my mind's eye of like, um, when you have a door or window open at one end of a space and then you go and open a door or window in at the <laughs> other, you create this, yeah draft you create literal flow like it will slam exactly. the doors closed you know yeah very cool well you um talked about um somewhere in some of the material i was reading of yours you had this phrase letting the body lead you towards your stories is oh. what does that mean how do we do that uh, okay so there well, I mean, you can you can actually what I just walked you through that visualization. Um, this is fun. You do something physical, and you have a pen and paper and a timer, and then right after that, you're in a bit of a different state, right? You just do some flow writing, and mm. if you keep your brainy brain part of things out of it, the part that wants to figure it out and and is dreaming of um, writing awards already. <laughs> <laughs> right. if, you, if you keep that out you just you do some sort of physical exercise and then you go straight into flow writing it's like unwrapping a present because something will show up and it's if you stay open to not knowing it's really thrilling what will bubble up and come out um, actually you mentioned you work out a lot so you can actually play with doing that after a workout mm. yeah just like or um if I don't know how you work out, but if say one day is a legs day or something, you can very explicitly have the intention that you're going to really tax your legs. You're going to focus on that part of your body and then you're going to let 
your body right through you, right? Mm. You're going to let those legs tell you something about them or, or let them release a memory or a story. It's pretty fun. It's, um, the delight is just in the utter magic of what happens when we let ourselves be led and guided by our body instead of trying to force it. Mm. Uh, those of you listening who do my energy reboot are probably noticing the similarities. So one of the things that I recommend to people to do to reconnect to their creativity, and it's not so much about being blocked because obviously I, I, don't, I don't have, I can't be given advice about that just yet. But as far as reconnecting to the creativity or reconnecting to like your sense of your higher self speaking to you, um, I recommend a combination of walking meditation with timed proprioceptive writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like the, yeah. those two things in tandem. And I say, don't overthink it, just do it. It may not happen the first time, but what will emerge is through that grounding exercise, being in the body, you actually reconnect your antenna, so to speak. And then the writing allows you to start to translate that to give it voice to to record it and and, you know let it through it's like one thing attaches the hose and the other thing sort of turns the knob and lets it flow out does that make sense oh yeah total sense um i'll add a clarification to um writing and staying in the body rather than uh kind of tapping into a uh more unseen sort of energy or force that's more outside of the body. I totally agree with you. The body mm-hmm. grounds us and then you can be a more clear channel for that kind of guidance. And if you want to really specifically um, stay with the body mm-hmm. in your in your writing and really tune into the body psyches, stories, guidance, etc., cetera, um, it helps to just focus your attention in sensation and then be really specific with details when you're writing sensory details. So whatever's coming up, always asking the question. So allowing the flow to come out, but um, having uh, in the back of your mind, just this reminder of, Oh, it was a beautiful day. So what are the specifics? What tells me it's a beautiful day and what will tell the people reading this if they ever do it's a beautiful day or um oh my leg was sore okay let's get way more specific what part of the leg what does sore mean what's the sensation finding words to Mm. describe physical experience Mm -hmm. um that will help to contain that kind of flow writing within the body well it's interesting too because For storytelling, I mean, if you were editing a piece of fiction, one of the things that you would look to make sure that you're doing is giving your reader multiple sensory information. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, like to ground them in the story and to, you know, make sure that you're introducing smells and and touch Mm -hmm. and that everything isn't just always somebody looking at someone else or thinking. Yeah. You know, you have to, um, you, you have to be really conscious to put that in. And I know everybody thinks that you know it it just magically happens but sometimes you you do have to consciously um remind yourself to insert that um and uh, you know like we have a tendency to 
sort of focus on one Claire sometimes more than the other. You know, we're either very visual or we're very um, feeling sensory. Uh, and sometimes you have to uh, balance those out with whichever one you don't see showing up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it just makes it richer. Yeah, it's it's yeah. going to be better for for both you as the person creating it, and if it, it finds its way to an audience, then they're going to be able to inhabit your experience that much more easily as well. Um, oh gosh, I love talking nerd talk about writing. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, um, you're you're hitting all the buttons because you've got <laughs> you know the psychic and the body work and the intuition and you know all of this stuff. So we're loving this. Um, Tell me about this transformational memoir writing process that you do called The Art of Personal Mythmaking. I know you have a workshop that's kind of specific to a time of year and everything. So tell us about that and when you're doing it. Okay. So, and and I have like, this is kind of a fun story too, because, um, so for a long time doing all these different things, I thought, what, what the heck? This doesn't make sense. When are the threads going to cross? And then about three, three or four years ago, this, this process showed up to me. I can't really claim credit for the personal myth-making process. It just showed up to me as its own entity, and I offered it as a workshop in person for eight weeks. And it was not about memoir writing at that time. I didn't think it was anyways. And there was a really great response. And then I thought, oh, I could teach this online. So then I kind of revamped it. I offered it again. I still didn't know it was about memoir writing. But, you know, like everything was about writing your life story, healing through examining life story, tapping into the body and using creative writing. And um, and I have a, a bachelor's degree in anthropology. So I love being an anthropology nerd and bringing in like culture and all of that stuff. And I was still confused. And then... I think uh, just over a year ago, I realized that if someone really committed themselves to the full process, they had the rough draft of their memoir written based on how I was taking them through the process and the creative writing prompts. And so I went, "Uh (laughs) aha, this is amazing. And when people asked me what I was doing, I said, well, I'm, I'm teaching this process and you get, you, you actually get the rough draft of your memoir written by the end and everyone's eyes would start to shine and Mm. they go oh and I thought oh wow that's what this is about it's healing but it's also actually a very practical outcome as well of getting to the point of getting it out of yourself onto paper to the rough draft stage so all the process work which you know it is amazing how many people have been dreaming about working with their life story and writing their memoirs for decades and either haven't started or they just have a bunch of overwhelming snippets of writing here, there and everywhere that they've tucked away in a metaphorical drawer or file on their computer. And um, it's just eating at them. (laughs) So, So I thought this is not, this is not good. This is like creative block, right? Where you start to get sick. If there is a story dying to be born and we close the doors and shut it down out of overwhelm and fear is uh, really two common reasons people don't dive in, even though they have the desire. Well, that's not good. We're making ourselves sick if we have stories to tell and we're not telling them. So so the art of personal myth-making is a transformational memoir writing 
e-course and writing circle. I teach it online. Um, each week has a theme. I use fairy tales or, well, more specifically ancient tales. So any kind of tale that has lasted more than a generation, basically, um, as a guide and a structure for um, outlining memoir, but also, uh, I don't know, I feel like fairy tales are, are like having a, an, a pretty wise grandma or grandpa helping us out to understand being human, you know, and, um, and they can actually really help us with working through our life stories. So I, I combine working with ancient tales with working with the body and creative writing and creativity. A lot of people, you know, they're just stuck in um, creative block or a fear of not being good enough, a desire to write, but being so afraid of being a bad writer that they don't try, you know, so getting past those things is really crucial to actually getting the writing out. And then coming together in a discussion and circle every week is so rich and so beautiful for people to um, be working through these themes in a supportive environment and be witness to the incredible richness of every single person's different way of understanding and writing about the same prompt. It's so beautiful. So I don't know if I've described it really well because I get so excited about my students. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to, you do it twice a year. Yeah. Okay. And when's August, the next one? Right. So uh, August and February. So right now we're looking at February is coming up. Yeah. Okay. So um, February 2019, we're recording this in September 2018. If anybody is listening from the future, uh, they can go find <laughs> out if you're still doing this workshop and you may be doing it um, still in August and, and February, um, mm -hmm. or it may have evolved into something else. Um, but uh, if... I suppose if we're on your mailing list, you'll remind us that this is coming up. And one of the um, gifts that you have for people who subscribe is a two-hour outline your memoir workshop um, that yes. you offer. Okay, tell yes. us a little bit about that. So actually, it's a little different. It is free. It's a little different than a gift that just shows up in your inbox. It's actually a live two-hour workshop. Um, the way I work with people is really connected and uh, relational and uh, um, productive. Okay. <laughs> That's the wrong word. But <laughs> so I actually I walk people through the process. So although it's a free workshop, it's not a workshop that I record. Okay. And it's and it's not uh, I do have other fun. I, ha I have a couple of free writing courses that do just show up in your inbox. But okay. Um, outline your memoirs actually you show up with your pen and paper and I offer it um, every two months or so um, and I walk you through the process of getting some structure to what you want to look at and work on and and finish the two hours feeling really resourced to keep going that is really cool um okay so First of all, let me just say, Janelle, thank you for taking time today to um, speak with us and walk us through that process. Make sure everyone knows where they can go to find you online. Right. So I'm JanelleHardy.com, and that is spelled J-A-N-E-L-L-E-H-A-R-D-Y.com. You can also probably Google personal mythmaking. I don't think anyone else is really 
um, describing their work that way. So Janelle and Personal Myth Making will get you there too. Wonderful. That was great. Janelle, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Such a pleasure. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides, please go to sladeroberson.com. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that, hold it in your mind, or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. You can't master your emotions by repressing them. Feel your feelings, and I'll talk to you later.